Welcome to the Black Metal Alchemist podcast. This is Carlos, like always. And um, today we're going to talk about the sound is stereo. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Yesterday I went and buy a um, high-end recorder. Uh, so you can also hear where the birds are at and the sounds where my uh, dog is walking whether in your left or your right I hope you can hear that so you can have pretty much a much um, more pleasant sound experience now <clears throat> One thing I've noticed with this recorder of the bat, which is, uh, by the way, a Zoom H2N, is that when you handle, when you touch it, when you handle it, it creates a, has a, when, has a really bad uh, resonance in the, in the lower mids. Maybe I'll try to cut it out down, but anyway guys, today is Friday and as such you already know that it's you who choose what do we talk about as we walk in the forest. So what is it? Today is hypnosis and the parasympathetic nervous system. Now, this, um, by the way, greetings here to the guy, to the person who chose the question, Peter Berger. So, hi from here. And um, <clears throat> so, hypnosis and the parasympathetic nervous system. Um, right off the bat, I gotta say that um, I I am personally not from not a um, I think uh, sympathetic versus parasympathetic nervous system is to me something I have never. Um, it's not in my model of hypnosis. I haven't resourced to it. But, uh, I know that it is part of the schools. There are many schools of hypnosis. And, um, well, that's not the one I have visited. Now, um, but I understand. I understand the point. Uh, the parasympathetic nervous system for what I've been, you know, lightly researching today what is um, a part of the autonomous nervous system, sympathetic and parasympathetic, and the autonomous nervous system is responsible for all unconscious tasks of your body. Now, where is the difference? First of all, uh, something that um, 
screw my attention is if you are into this chakra stuff if you even believe that that's a thing check um, parasympathetic nervous system on Wikipedia and um, be ready to come up with a couple of a couple com um, conspiracy theories when you see the diagram because it looks awful like it. The parasympathetic nervous system has connections mostly as I saw it with everything that has everything that has fluids, all the um, your digestion, defecation, uh, salivation. It's nice to put those two together right after each other. Crying, sexual arousal, and so on. Whatever is fluid-like is controlled by the parasympathetic nervous system that I know of. Now, then, what is the, sympa the, the sympathetic nervous system? Well, that's the fight, freeze, or flee response. So, now we're talking about amygdala and <clears throat> your whole spine. All those motor, reflex motors, I think. Um, okay, how, how does this connect to hypnosis? Well, let's say, as I see it, because, again, hypnosis, there is hundreds of ways, hundreds of schools, hundreds of thoughts behind it. Now, if not everyone will agree that has something to do with talking to your subconscious. And your subconscious is definitely uh, correlated to your autonomous nervous system, your sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. So, when it comes to uh, relate them, those two concepts, well, comes quite easy. Now, this is the, the, the relation between them two, um, to me, is obvious because I know hypnosis, but to you, might, you might not know hypnosis and uh, you might still, well, you still haven't explained me anything, Carlos. Well, <clears throat> basically, you can, you can think of it like this. You, you have uh, things that you're aware of like the tone of my voice right now, the air touching your skin in your face, the feeling of your clothing, your feet touching the ground or whatever they are touching. That bird technically in your right. And also you would notice that those 
those sensations, they weren't, they were not in your direct awareness until I mentioned them, right? So here you can make a distinction between what you're aware of and what you are not aware of until you put your attention into it. So, the thing here is, now I'm going back, so, yeah. Um, the thing here with hypnosis, what we do is with language, we, <clears throat> we hypnotists, Learn to use your attention in the same way as I was saying before, just a second ago, things. And as I was mentioning them, then you are aware of them. Then <clears throat> using this effect of guiding your attention towards sensations, thoughts, imagined pink giraffes and lemons, then we can somehow begin to um, kind of help you move around your inner world. And uh, basically, by doing this, when you do this enough, you will see that you have a critical part. You have a critical faculty that we call. But <clears throat> that's the part that say, ah, no, I don't believe this uh, 5G bullshit. Or this or says, yeah, I totally believe that. Please let it in. If I go and tell you that you are, that you are named something else that you are, you will say that that's gonna your critical faculty is gonna stop that information from being believed. And um, <clears throat> I hope that now the there's not much wind because it doesn't have a windshield. And I thought about it too late. Anyway, that's your critical faculty. Your critical faculty is basically your analytical thinking, right? Now, you would say that um, <clears throat> that your critical faculty is... People think that their critical faculty is perfect. People tend to think that what they believe to be true and not is absolute. Um, but in reality, what uh, we study as hypnotists is that through your critical faculty has gotten a lot of shit that makes you no good to believe. For example, the, 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 the belief that you are not good enough, the belief that, uh, that you are not attractive, or the belief that uh, you're useless, or whatever. You, you make, or, I mean, there are, there are millions of, there is an infinite amount of negative things to believe, you know. Now, when 
information passes your critical faculty, then, then it becomes a belief, or that's kind of the model I follow, it works. So, then, hypnosis, what we do, hypnotists, or hypnotherapists, because I'm not that into the play game, although I said myself that I'm gonna learn to make all those magic tricks, <clears throat> they are not magic tricks really, but <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, those hypnosis tricks. <clears throat> but in reality, what the hypnotherapist does is with language, we mm, diffuse for a little bit, for a little while, your critical faculty, that sword of reason, and we we can then talk to that autonomous part of you, that unconscious part of you. <clears throat> For example, if you have a phobia, that phobia is controlled by something away of your control. All this, all this, um, let's call it all this inner talk, all this stuff, all these thoughts that come and nag you away of your control, you are experiencing them. What we do is switch you, uh, put you on snooze, what you think, what you relate to you, and we talk directly to your unconscious. Because your unconscious is, knows language. It doesn't know it at a grammatical level that you do, but what we have found is that knows lots of concepts. And we use those concepts in order to in order to help the person for whatever outcome the person wants to, right? So what is the extent in which hypnosis can help? Well, this is also discussed because if you analyze it enough, if you analyze this enough, you will find out that it can help with anything that is, uh, let's say, psychosomatic. I was like, okay, fine enough. What is psychosomatic? What is nocebo? And then it's like, oh, it's actually, you cannot put your finger on it. <clears throat> because studies have shown that you can, just by thinking about it, increase your healing rate.
No jokes. We can do that. So, if you can increase your healing rate, then there is, there is a mental part into healing your bones. Oh, but that is something that happens that your body does without you being conscious about it. Does automatically. It's like, yeah. The sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system, that's what, that's what they do. And that is what we are talking to. Oh, but I don't believe that. Uh, you cannot control um, automatic um, things that your body does automatically. I was like, all right. If you are thinking like that, then I want to make a little experiment. This is the hello world of hypnosis. <clears throat> so, you don't have to close your eyes. You might already have done this when you were a child. But simply imagine a fucking ginormous lemon anywhere close to you. Look at it. Good. Imagine that you take it. Imagine that you take it with your hand and you smell at it like... Oh. Good. And now, imagine that you are taking a knife and split it in half and you see all the juice of that lemon going like that. Going out, sipping out of the a gigantic lemon. Well, no, it doesn't have to be that big. Just big enough that you can chew it and put it in your mouth and smell that citric acid. Chew it well. And imagine how you do this. Imagine the taste. Remember the taste in your mouth. And the truth is that you, right now, if you were following this and if you were imagining that, you are salivating. Now, there is no way you can salivate by saying, mm, I'm going to salivate now. You know, willpower doesn't work here. But something that you find very, very fast, very <laughs> quickly, is that you react to what you, you, you automatically, your body reacts. Your parasympathetic nervous system reacts to everything and everything you imagine. And so does your sympathetic nervous system. If you imagine, I don't know, something traumatic, you begin to tense. You imagine that you are going to have an accident or something. You're going to begin to tense. You're going to begin your, your, um, your fight, freeze, or flee respond response is going to activate in one or another way. So that is the proof that your thoughts, your mind, have 
some type of control to your autonomous nervous system. Now, how is this relevant? Sorry for that. This, is, this becomes relevant because if you come to think about it, if you have any problems, any stresses, any anxieties, any panic attacks, any anything of this kind, any mental things, they are most, if not all of them, but they are mostly triggered, feed by some automatic thinking. And by automatic thinking, I mean um, memories, compulsive fantasize, fantasizing, catastrophizing, you know, whatever in the fantasy world, whatever in the worrying about the future, all that is your mind. Memories, your mind. Everything, your mind. You know what? Your body are emotions. All your emotions are in your body. And those emotions are triggered by something you are thinking. Storm, don't drink that rotten water, Jesus Christ. It's like, what the... And um, this that I'm talking about, basically, everything that is not right now, right this very moment, the sound of my voice now, the feeling of your skin now. Whatever you're looking at now. Everything that is not that is a thought. All your pattern matching, all of it, thoughts. And those thoughts get mixed with the now so much that you can almost disappear and by that I mean when when you're walking from a place A to place B you have walked a million times and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden you just pop in place B like, what if I, I don't remember how I, go, I got here but uh, you did so um, <clears throat> Where, where were you? Where do you think you are? But in your thing, in your thoughts, you are fantasizing something meaningless. You are dreaming about something, thinking about something that, as you can imagine, since you remember it so well, is worthless. You didn't have any kind of enlightenment moment. You didn't have any kind of great idea. You were just simply 
murmuring in your head about bullshit that you can do totally without. But that's not the point here. You go in automatic mode. You have an automatic part of you. As a matter of fact, I, the, the, I'm writing a book which is, of course, related to all this. And it also proposes a, a, um, a sort of restructuring definition of hypnosis. Every hypnotist has their own thing, their own opinion about hypnosis. So this is nothing special of mine. I think that every person that sees how by you snapping your fingers, somebody goes and falls and drops to sleep, makes their own mind about what the fuck just happened. Um, and my uh, view on all this is that what we are is pretty much what you say, what you mean when you say I is an abstract thought. And what a human is, what you are, is a creature, an animal, just like Storm here, my dog, with a ridiculous, ridiculously strong, ridiculously powerful capability to abstract, of abstract thinking. So, that means that when you relate to yourself, all you have are abstract thoughts. Your worthness, your value, your meanings, your abstractions. Your how attractive, all those tags you put into it. Your yes, your no, your all that stuff. All those stuff are, in one or another way, abstract thinking. In other words, abstract thought is all we are. We use it to, to think. We, we use it to measure. We are our intellect. That's all we are aware of. That's what I wanted to say. And then the other part is all of it, is, is, is pretty much the whole, your, all your body, your mammal, the animal within you. That mammal, monkey-like arthrop, arthropod, arthropod? No, that anthrop, anthropomorphic creature, that's you. That is the animal that you are. But you don't recognize yourself as such. You see the person. You see the personality, the dreams, the worth, worthiness. You put makeup to the creature. If you're a girl. And if you're a guy, a metal, a metal, if you're a black metal guy, you also put makeup sometimes. When a lot of people see you and you have to be very pissed off. <laughs> and 
what I uh, go here is that what hypnosis does is puts your intellect aside for a second and start talking to the greatest, biggest part of you, the animal. I just, you can think about this as um, a canvas. Let's imagine the Mona Lisa. Imagine that you are the, that object. You see, the Mona Lisa really... Or actually, no, no, no. Well, yeah, whatever. It's just a similar, similar. The Mona Lisa is a painting, but most of what it makes the Mona Lisa really is the canvas it's on, it's painted on. The Mona Lisa would not exist if canvas, if that canvas wouldn't be there. That paint would painting wouldn't be a painting without any surface to pay, to be painted on. Whatever. And also the Mona Lisa, the Mona Lisa's fate is absolutely attached to the fate of the worthless canvas is painted on. And all the value of that piece is primarily based on the paint on the canvas, how that paint is arranged, by whom. Also, the state in which that paint is laid out in that worthless canvas. But if you go to weight, physically, materially, scientifically, the, that canvas, that, uh, the Mona Lisa, you would see that most of the weight, most of the matter that creates, the, the, it's that worthless canvas. And I'm calling it worthless because that's how we add meaning to shit. It is not worthless. It is the same. But we just put attention to the paint. And we do the same with ourselves. We just put attention, attention to the intellect. So much that we forget that we have to take care of the fucking canvas. In this case, when it comes to us, is our body, our animal. And you know, the animal has many, you know, many, many behaviors. And those behaviors are the behaviors that are responsible for every single type of self-sabotaging, every single, every fear, every emotion. You don't create an emotion. You have to somehow trick yourself into an emotion. You know, you say right now, okay, uh, at a count of three, I'm going to feel mm, terrified. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. What you can do is to imagine terrifying things 
in your mind's eye, and then you get a terrified. Uh, 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 well, in reality, it will be kind of an uneasy response if you imagine it vividly enough. But you have to imagine something, you have to create a movie that the animal sees, and then you scare the animal. That creates an emotional response which you perceive because you're drawn in the animal. <laughs> and that scares you more. Or, well, then you react to that, creating more stimulus that stimulates the animal and so on. That's how you create, basically, your reality. That's how you create everything. Now, this is meaningful in this episode because the animal that you talk to when, or the animal that we hypnotists talk to when a person is in a trance. Well, that is the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. The, that big unconscious that does things without you being aware of, like your breathing, your heartbeat, your emotions, I mean, triggering them, the compulsive thinking, all that is related to your body, is related to your animal, is related to the autonomous nervous system. So, if you have anything, any type of any kind of effect in which, you know, I want to do this or I want to do that, but it seems like there is a part of me that... What the fuck? Oh, this... There was like some ripped clothes are hanging on a tree. But there is no corpse around, so that might be fine. So, um, whenever you have this type of effect, I want to do something, but it seems like there is a part of me that don't want to. Anytime that you have this type of, let's call it, duality within you, and, and this type of duality within you is... Um, is working against you. It's like, not cool. There is a battle. They are not in synchrony. Synchronicity. Um, talk to a good hypnotist. Call me. Send me a message. Because that's what we do. That's what we fix. Any type of chronic pains that you have been told that uh, there's nothing to do, just morphine, morphine or, you know, and drugs and shit, call me. Because pains of this kind are very easily lifted with hypnosis. Because again, we talk to the part 
we 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 talk to the part that controls all this. We we can you can affect. In reality, you don't need a hypnotist if you know the techniques, if you know what to do with your mind. But since you don't, and you don't because you are suffering, then just contact one hypnotherapist like me. Pretty much. Well, I don't know what to say anymore. I I, I would uh, I would think that I've talked, I've um, explained. Um, everything I wanted to say. So, all in all, yeah, all in all, I want you to tell me in the Facebook group how has been the sound experience. I will, of course, um, check when I get home. I will try to take out some of that resonance with Infinity EQ. <laughs> Guys, uh, tell me if this investment was worth it. And um, also tell me what do you think about what I've been talking about. Do you agree? If you know about hypnosis, do you agree? If you didn't know about hypnosis, do you have a clear vision of what hypnosis is now? What can it help with? And um, now, just for the sake of it, I'm gonna stop talking. And for the rest, you are just, we can just simply, you and I, walk in the forest without talking, so you can feel like you're here with me. So nice, nice weather, by the way, I haven't talked about it. And um, now I'm gonna stop talking just to record the soundscape. If you are not into that, then we can say already goodbye and keep on being awesome. And if you are with me, just relax and hear the Norwegian forest.
Hej hej. One second, guys. And that's, by the way, sound of some construction place far away. If you're wondering.
So guys, how you enjoyed the episode today and uh, just as always, keep on strong in your quest for awesome. Bye.